0: It's great to have you here, and uh, it's great to be walking through this series, All I Need. Today is the last week in the series as we get prepared to walk into a Christmas series. And All I Need, we have much from Jesus Christ. We have much through God Almighty. And uh, it's been a powerful time as we've walked through these weeks and recognized the things that God has for us. Uh, I'll just go back and throw some words out here. Um, we use the word sufficient right? Biblically, the word sufficient, uh, you know, I know we water the word down, right? And so we say, ah, it's sufficient, right? And it's like, that means it's lame. It's kind of okay. And uh, we've really ruined the word because the word literally means there is nothing else needed, fully sufficient, right? And, and uh, so some things that God is sufficient in, it says his grace is sufficient, Like no matter what the circumstance, no matter what the trial and the struggle, we have a God who absolutely rushes in to be by our side and his grace pours in in the midst of that heartache and we have a chance to grow in him, learn in him, see him move and his grace and uh, the next thing that he talked about is his word, uh, his word. And, uh, we came from second Timothy three here and we were talking through the fullness of God's leading and guiding the ability of his word to actually equip us unto every good work, how we can pour into the word of God and get information and leading and guiding from him that you could never get hearing me never get anywhere else. The word of God, awesome privilege to have this and, uh, and then we talked about uh, his hedge of protection. Pastor Steve talked this through as he was preaching and the fact that, yes, we have problems for the day. Did you know that? This world actually has problems in it. Have you experienced any of that? Some of you are like, I don't want to think about it. And others are like, no, really, it's been pretty good for me. Really, we're happy for you. That's great. <laughs> and uh, and uh, you know what? God has some things that he has in store for us on a daily basis. And sometimes he calls us to recognize that his hand at work is our absolute protection. Get this, he only allows those things to touch us that he sees the ability to work through and work with. God's hand on that protecting you. And our job is to not storm out of his hand of protection and now reach out into tomorrow and grab the fears of tomorrow and drag them in as things of today to wrestle with, right? That's when we start living in worry not worship and uh, his hedge of protection and the struggles unto themselves for each day and we lean on our God in each day and him there with us in it and last week we looked at his provision his provision the opportunity of God uh, to provide into our lives did you know he never asks you to do something that he hasn't given you what you need to do it with never he's not like go do this and you're like I can't and he's like no <laughs> that's not that's not God Right. And he's like, really, I'm giving you what you need to be able to get through this and and uh, his provision. And uh, okay, so that's all great. These are wonderful promises. But who's this true for? And, uh, you know, Scripture is pretty clear that for those who trust in God, for those who lean on him, for those who have him literally changing their lives well, how does that take place? What does that look like? That's what we're looking at today, all right? How can I be assured of having a relationship with God and having all I need in Him? So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. 2 Corinthians 3, starting in verse 12. And we got the ushers coming forward. They got Bibles in their hands. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand and they'll get one to you, all right? And uh, just keep your hand raised. Be patient, they'll get one to you there. 2 Corinthians 3.12. And uh, this is going to teach us what we need to be going after in order to experience God and all that he is and all that he provides. So here we go. First step, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord. All right. He starts out in verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. Uh, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. It right? starts out in verse 12 there. What hope? What's he talking about? Such a hope. Well, it's always important for us as we read scripture to stay in context, right? And so what is the context? What was he talking about right before it? That gives us a hint as to this hope he's meaning. And so he's talking about the glory there, the glory of the law and how it was uh, nice but temporary. And then he gets to verse 11 and he says, For if what was brought to an end uh, came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. He's like, Listen, you need to understand this. The law, as awesome as it is, temporary. And yet glory came with that. Now we're talking about Jesus Christ and all that he's doing, permanent, man. This is huge promise. Jesus Christ at work in our lives, not just for today, but for all of eternity. And yes, it is about Him, Jesus Christ, and all that He's done. And it's permanent. And uh, please hear me on this. The Old Testament and the law, it was a temporary moment. It was a method for them to be able to see forward into what Christ and that promise could look like. The promise of Jesus Christ is not another temporary thing. It's not ending and going to some yet another plan. It's the plan, and uh, it's the permanent plan. It says right here, the glory is permanent, and uh, the hope is permanent. And, uh, it doesn't get better than this statement. What is the solution? Well, it's all in the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, God of the universe, and what he's done for me. See, that's the end point, getting to worship him. and uh, That's the hope we're talking about here. It says, since we have such a hope right? Since we can count on Jesus Christ and all that he's doing for us, we are very bold. We are very bold. Like we are risk-taking. We are self-sacrificing, transparent. Uh, We're willing to share his glory. Like the things he's doing in your life, you're willing to share with others and let them know. And that's what he means by being very bold. Like, is God rocking your world? Is He teaching you something? Are you learning something this year that maybe you never knew before about your God or you or this world or whatever? And you're like, you know what? You better be careful not to try to just keep that on the down low. Like, I need to be willing to share that out. That's what He's talking about. Being very bold. And uh, notice what He says. We are very bold. Not like Moses. Is that like a total diss on Moses? Right, man, we're going to be bold—not like him. Right? What's he talking about here? Remember when we're talking about Moses, we'll go back these couple of verses. This is the passage we were in when we started All I Need this series a couple of weeks back, right? And we went through Second Corinthians three, the first part of it, and uh, we talked about Moses and what was going on there. So just a little bit of a refresher here. Moses, remember, goes back to Exodus 33. And uh, as he's in there uh, interacting with the Israelites, here's what's already happened. He's gone up. He's gotten the Ten Commandments, right? And Moses comes down with the Ten Commandments. And as he's coming down, he finds the Israelites off in their own little world again. They've decided to go off and have this big worship moment. But they're going to worship what they made. They made a golden calf and they're worshiping it. Why would you worship something you made? Isn't it quite clear it is like less than you, right? Isn't that a bizarre answer? Hey, I know. Let's worship what I create. And yet how often do we actually do that maybe in our own lives? Getting after our own thing. And so the Israelites, they're going after it, right? And they're worshiping. And Moses comes down and he has one of those you know, righteous temper tantrums. And all you parents know what I'm talking about. Right, where you find it's going down the way it shouldn't be going down, and he's like, Oh my word, what's going on? And then he takes the tablets that he's holding with the Ten Commandments and he's like, Smash. I'm sure there was a moment right after it where he went, Hmm, I shouldn't have done that. You know? But he smashed the Ten Commandments and now he's standing before the Israelites and he's sick of their sin and he's sick of their selfishness and he's sick of their broken worship and He and God start having some interaction. And God's like, hey, I need to talk to you again. And so Moses gets back up on the mountain, Exodus 33, and begins to talk to God. And God's like, tell me what you want, Moses. What are you asking for? And he's like, I want to see your glory. Like, I want to see your glory. And God's like, remember this? He says, you know, you can't handle my glory, right? And that's what, it's a very real statement. God's like, seriously, you can't handle it. God's glory is real, man. It's not just some idea. God's glory literally changes you physically, spiritually, changes you. God's glory. Like, what is his glory? And I'll just use a James McDonald quote here. He said, glory of God. As heat is to fire, so glory is to God. As light is to the sun, so glory is to God. Are you hearing it? Glory. It's the thing that just comes off of God as he exists. It's the thing pouring off of him that absolutely changes you and me. His glory. Super real. Absolutely powerful. And Moses is like, I want to see your glory. And God says, fine. Fine. Get in the crevice and turn backwards, right? You're not gonna be able to handle this, so get in there and turn around. And then his spirit's like blocking and and as God passes past him and lets his glory be unfolded to him, it's his back alone, just the glory coming off of his back as he's walked past that hits Moses while protected, while in the crevice. And that alone, ready? Changes his body. He literally starts beaming or glowing. Did you know that God's glory can do that? Have you tasted of God's glory? Or is it just some concept? And may we know of his glory like that. And Moses is like, this is amazing! And just in the little bit of time that he's spending with God, the glory that's on his face is now, the beaming is starting to already dissipate a little bit. And so Moses decides to veil himself, to put a veil over his face and cover this glory, this beaming of the work of God in him. Why would he do such a thing? And uh, well, we're told here, it says, not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that, everybody say purpose statement, purpose, purpose statement, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. That's the ESV, and those words can be a little confusing, and so you read it in the NIV or the NLT. Those are great translations for getting a little easier understanding of it. And it says very simply, look, the glory that's on his face, the change to his body is dissipating already. It's going away. It's fading. And Moses is like, this is unbelievable. And, uh uh-oh, It's getting less and I better I better hide that and I don't want them to see that this glory's going away And you know, it's one of those where the people later are like Oh, really? We should be listening to you moses and he's like, yes, and they're like Not seeing too much glory on you now Have you been with god recently because you sure don't look like it Like this is a fear over what are they going to think as this glory starts fading? And, and This is not a permanent glory. This is a temporary glory, a moment of God sharing of himself and the old covenant and the law and working with Moses here. And Moses kind of freaks out and veils himself. And uh, Paul's like, just so you know, we're not going to be veiling our faces like Moses veiled his. The work that God does in us, we're going to be letting it out and letting it be known. All right? And uh, may people know what God is doing. In our lives. It says, But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted. Their minds are hardened. Now notice here, it doesn't say their hearts are hardened. Right? Heart. That's like the source for your thinking, as well as your wanting, as well as your willing, your going and doing. Right? It's the source of your all in the Hebrew. When it says heart, it's like this big motivational center in you. Okay? Okay? But here he's being very specific. Their mind is veiled. Like they're not getting it, man. They don't understand. They're reading through and they're not seeing that the Old Testament covenant and law is like this forward looking thing to help you understand Christ. And they're not getting it. They're reading through and they're like, what? This is what it's about. And they're missing everything. They're missing everything. It's a huge deal, and uh, it's a big problem. It says their minds were uh, hardened. What's the word hardened mean? Well, given over to their own sin. It's probably a good way to think of it. Hardened. Uh, yes, it's where they wanted to head themselves, and yes, it's what God allowed and, and kind of did in their life as well. Hardened. And uh, there's a work that's going on in them where they are not understanding what's taking place. It says, and now to this day, when they read the old covenant, everybody say that's the law. law. right? The law, when they're reading the law, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. When they're reading that, they're like, I don't know what it's about. I I see it specifically being about us as a nation doing some things. And like, "Uh, eh." Uh, that's the temporary. You're missing that it's indicating who Christ is and what he does for us. And he's our Passover lamb and uh, his shed blood for me. And uh, the law shows us we can't get there, man. We can't measure up and do it all. And it's a temporary and it shows our shortcoming. And uh, it says when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. The veil is over them and they don't get what's going on. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Are you hearing me? only through Christ is it taken away. Man, this is a huge deal. Some of you might be in here today and you're like, I don't know if I believe in Jesus Christ yet. uh, I read through the Bible and some of it doesn't make sense. And uh, I don't get it and I don't like it. And and I'm not even sure why I'm here today. And uh, you know what? I might know why you're here today. As we walk through this passage, check out what God has to say. And and um, notice he's saying only through christ is it taken away yes to this day when moses is read a veil Lies over their hearts when you don't trust in jesus christ. There's a ton you don't understand When you don't trust in jesus christ, there's a ton that is not making sense Okay, that's the way it goes down and and how often do we actually hear these words once I understand it all Then I'll trust in him. Okay. Once I get it and I can explain all the nuances of him and and this world and my struggles. And then I'll. And uh, I understand what we're saying there. I understand the struggle and the wrestle to find things to make sense. But uh, hear me. This is saying very specifically that until we're trusting in him, there's a veil up. And we can't understand some things. Hearing me. Unless I trust in Christ, the rest doesn't make sense. It kind of goes like this. At some level, the basics understood. I I trust. I go, okay, I, I think I get it. I turn and I'm now I'm leaning on him. And as I turn into him, then I'm getting it. Okay? And until then, my heart is veiled, my mind is veiled, and I'm stuck. Right? And uh, pretty heavy so um so there's this guy and uh he hears a bunch of cheering going on over at the baseball diamond so he decides he's going to go down there he walks down to the baseball field and uh you can see a ton of uh, cheering and there's a bunch of scoring going on and so he comes up to the dugout and he leans over to one of the kids and he goes hey uh what's the score the kid goes 18 to nothing we're down He's like, oh, it must be kind of a bummer. And he goes, what are you kidding? We haven't even been up yet. Right? And I'm just telling you, this is one of those moments. Where right now we've just heard the description given of the problem and the situation in life. But I'm telling you, Christ hasn't been to bat yet. Okay? And so we are with, we are veiled and we are struggling and we are in need. And, uh, and so what's the answer? Well, what comes right after it? Uh, but, Jesus stepping to the plate now. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Are you hearing it? When one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. There is a problem at hand where without Christ, we don't get it. But with Christ, we do. When we are standing alone trying to reason it out, we are stuck in. In ourselves and not in the full understanding of the universe. In that moment, we get who Christ is. We turn to him. And we're done with the world. And we're done with self. And we're done with trying to make it my way. And we now head to him. Turning to him. Literally it says, the veil is removed. hearing that? It is not the veil is removed, and so I turn. First I am trusting and turning, then the veil comes down. It is then that you start saying this phrase. Oh, now I get it. I see what he's saying about, I see what he was talking about now with, oh, that's what's going on when... And every day we'd spend time in his word. And every day we let the spirit speak with us. We literally start getting more and more of who God is. Our worship starts increasing. And uh, it's a huge deal. And uh, it takes turning to the Lord. And then it comes fully unveiled. And... Uh, and I'm just telling you, there's two parts to that. It's our glory being shared out as God's worked in us. And more than that, it's him beginning to share more and more of his glory and us starting to get him more and more. What a sweet privilege we have to be able to trust in him. And uh, yeah, that's great, Tim, but I don't know. I don't know if I've done that. I don't even know if I know how to do that. Now, what does it mean to turn to the Lord? All right. And so let's just be pretty clear. So, we say this around here. You might have heard me say it before. It's not easy, but it's as simple as A, B, C. Right. A. Admit, admit that you're not perfect. And hopefully you're like, well, that's kind of easy. And uh, admit that you're not perfect. Admit, let's put the biblical word on it, that you're a sinner. All right? That word sinner, it's not a religious term. Did you know that? It's an athletic term. He was writing to the church at Rome. And the church at Rome, they they had a ton of things going on in their background, and and one of them was they loved archery competitions. So he's writing an archery term to them. And this word sinned, it means you pull back and you aim, you release, and you miss the bullseye, you miss the outer rings. In fact, you miss the whole target, it comes up short, it hits the sand, right? Turf flies. And that's what it means to have sinned. It was an archery term, a sports term. It'd be like us today talking about basketball and saying you missed, and uh, you know, you're shooting from three point land and you miss everything. No rim, no net, no nothing. And we say, oh, the guy shot an air ball, right? Paul's like, just so you know, we've all shot an air ball. And, uh, how many points is an air ball worth? Zero. And, uh, and yet we all stand around and talk about whose air ball was closer. Right? Oh, dude, my air ball totally only missed by this much. You were like this far away. And I, and just so you know, everybody still has zero points. All right, and that's an important deal that we grasp that we are in dire straits and uh, the world loves to teach this message You know, it's it's weigh it man You, you got to weigh the good and the bad and as long as my good outweighs my bad and, and we're sort of like, you know 51% good is like that outweighs the bad then and i'm kind of winning and And uh, just so you know 51% Is an airball All right, and uh, that's our problem is no matter how hard we try, no matter what we go at, we do come up short of God's perfection. We are shooting the air ball. We are missing the mark. We are sinning. And now there's a penalty for that. Romans 6, 23. And it says the penalty or the payment for missing the mark is eternal separation from God. Hell. Punishment. For standing on our own and demanding that we can do it ourselves. And Jesus is like, just so you know, I've got a plan. I've got a hope for this. And it's not you doing your thing. It's you trusting in me doing my thing. Right? And uh, So admit. Admit that you're a sinner missing the mark. B, believe. Believe that Jesus Christ died and rose again. Scripture's pretty clear on that. That's Romans 10, 9 and 10. Believe that he died and rose again. It all sits in the work of the cross. And you might be like, I don't know if I believe in the cross. And uh, hundreds of witnesses, hundreds of people who have recorded the event and stood behind it, people willing to go to their death for it, you need to believe in it. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross and he rose again. And it's more than just some other people claiming it. God pressing in on your soul and saying, time for you to believe. In me i've got this thing covered and i've done a work on the cross and i'm telling you this My work For you And uh, ephesians 2 8 9 says pretty clearly it is not by your works personally It's not by your own works It's by your faith in him Who has lived perfectly Jesus christ We must trust in jesus and his work on the cross and uh Some of you are like, I have officially checked out. I don't want to hear that. And I just want to challenge you with this one statement. Could it be because that makes you not in control? Is it time to set down the control and let God be in charge? Trust in him. Turn to him and the veil comes flying off and you start understanding things you would have never understood before. It is not you and your works, it is Christ and His and God doing an amazing thing. And um, I'll just tell you this. um, When I was back in college, just to graduate, I had a friend who um, had a friend coming in from out of town. It was like, hey, we should go out and do a dinner together. And we're sitting and talking and we were talking about, at one point, our faith. And this guy was like, do you believe in all this Jesus stuff? And, and we went back and forth and talked it through a bit. And, and he's like, I just can't, man. And here's why. Because everybody I've ever seen trust Christ had some problem they went through first and Christianity became a crutch for them. Let that settle for a moment. Okay, he saw something happening. He saw people hurting and struggling And finding Christ as a solution. He even found people wrestling mentally. And and trying to wrestle through the meanings of things. And finding a solution in Christ. And here's what he missed. It is a crutch. Because you need a crutch man. That's what he missed. He was standing there saying. I don't need it. And it's the very thing he did need. He needed a savior. And he stood in rebellion against. And said, no, I'm doing this on my own. And I'm just telling you, please hear me biblically, that's a lame plan. Doing it on my own does not get it done. May God get the glory as we put our faith in him and trust in him. May Jesus Christ be lifted up as we believe in him as Savior and King. And uh, that's what scripture says. And then here's the last piece, C. So admit that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. And C, confess him as Lord. Confess him as Lord. This is super important. A lot of people do the A and the B. All right, fine, I'm not perfect. And fine, Jesus died for me. I'm good. Go ahead, do that if you want. But you are not in charge of my life. That's not saved. You're hearing me? Confess him as your Lord. You're in charge, God. You in charge of my life. What do you want done? And, and I see you as king of kings. And I see you as on the cross for me. And I see you as alive today. And so I'm handing my life to you. Turn to Jesus. And the veil will be lifted. Promise. Count on them. And watch him do the work, all right? Okay, so simple question to you Have you trusted Christ as your Savior? Have you turned to him and asked him to be in charge in your life? Are you giving Jesus control, believing in him and his work on the cross, that he is now risen, alive? and powerful and God. Lord, please take control. That's saved. All right, we're going to come back and visit this in just a sec. Let's jump to point number two. Behold his glory. Behold his glory. We'll start in verse 17. He says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom the Lord is the Spirit. Like, hear me, the one in charge is the Holy Spirit. He is God. Holy Spirit is God, right? God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so yes, yeah, Spirit is God. And, uh, so the Lord is the Spirit. And, uh, or the, and, yeah, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. This word matters in huge ways, man. Like there's something built into us as mankind to long for freedom. America is built on freedom, right? Today is December 7th and we look back and, and we honor the attack on Pearl Harbor and World War II that we went through and the freedom that was guaranteed for many in the midst of it and the sacrifice of many that was made. And man, we are big on freedom. And uh, there's a movie that's got one word in it, right? And the guy's like, freedom, right? And you know what I'm talking about? Braveheart, right? I saw the TV version. It's okay. And uh, right? freedom, as he cries out. And what's he all about? He's like, I'm just telling you the, the pressure we're under. It's unacceptable. And uh, there's something to understanding freedom and knowing that that's what it's about and how often we go after freedom and Yet we try to go for a freedom where it puts us in control and we're missing something. What is biblical freedom? Biblical freedom. Freedom from sin's bondage. Did you know that? Literally, you have the choice to set down sin when saved. Please hear me. When you've set down self and turned towards him, there is a freedom from sin's bondage and a progressive growth in that. It takes time and over time we grow, but there can be growth. Freedom from sin's bondage, freedom from limited human viewpoint, freedom from trying to get it just with my little mind. All of a sudden we start seeing it from God and his perspective, through his word and as he teaches us and Freedom from limited human viewpoint. Freedom from the hardness of heart. And uh, freedom, man. And the Holy Spirit bringing this freedom as we trust in Him. And notice what it says now. It says, And we all, everybody say that means the saved. The saved. And we all, with unveiled face, here we are with that metaphor again, right? We've now taken the veil off, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory To another. With the veil taken off, beholding his glory. With unveiled face, please, as we turn towards Christ, taking down the veil and hearing much of him. And we'll talk a little bit about how to do that beholding in just a second. But we have a chance to stand in the glory of God Almighty and have him do a work. Remember his glory real. And it will affect your body and your spiritual soul. God's glory, man. I don't know what more to tell you about it. Like, I would love to be able to say, like, personally, let me just tell you this. It is time for you to taste of His glory like you never have before. It's time. It's time to set down the battling and the self-struggle and the defining of this world according to your views and the making sure you're in control. Put it down. Turn towards Him and let His glory pour on you. Beholding His glory. How do we behold His glory? Here we go. Four steps to beholding His glory. Four steps to beholding His glory. First, Use this one last week as well. Fix your eyes on him. Fix your eyes on him. Hebrews 12, 1 through 4. Remember we talked about this, right? When the seas are going up and down and you're on the back of the boat, don't look down at the waves. Don't look down at the railing as it pitches up and down. It's going to make you sick, man. You lock your eyes on the horizon, the thing that's not moving. You fix your eyes on Jesus Christ, the one who does not move. You want to behold him? Fix your eyes on him. All right, that's the first step. Number 2, be still. Psalm 46:10, be still. This word literally in the Hebrew it means drop your arms. Like stop fighting. Stop wrestling to make it make sense to your mind. Drop your arms and let God be in charge. Be still. Deep breath and hold on to him. Number 3, Be thankful, comes from Philippians 4, 3 through 9. Be thankful in everything you do. Lord, I'm thankful that you went to the cross for me. Lord, I'm thankful that you love like I've never seen before. Lord, I'm thankful for your word. Lord, I'm thankful for the friends you put around me. I'm thankful for what you're doing in my studies in school or in my work as I go to work. Lord, I'm amazed at your provision and being able to say thank you. I'm just telling you, all too often we are an expert of the problem, not the problem solver. All too often we complain, 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 but God's doing something. And as we thankfully turn to Him, and man, I'm with you on it, I hear you. It's the one thing I gotta be keep, continue to work on is work on the thankfulness piece constantly reflecting on what God's doing in your life and what God's doing around you that does show his glory off and lord thank you for you investing in be thankful it's a huge part of beholding and you will not feel like you're beholding his glory when you're complaining the whole time it does quench the spirit's work it does All right behold and then the last one uh, is be repentant. Lord, please forgive me. In light of who I've seen you being, please forgive me of this. And 1 John 1, 1.9 says, confess your sins to him. And he is faithful and just and will forgive you of those sins. Confess, man. Get it real. Confession with your God. It's a huge part of beholding. Lord, in light of your awesomeness, I'm done with my selfishness. Please forgive me. All right. He says here at the end that he will change us from one degree of glory to another. Please be patient with your change. That is one degree to the next. And he recognizes that his glory poured on you is going to be changing you. And he recognizes it's going to be done in stages. Are you wrestling with sin? Are you wrestling with struggle? Are you wanting to see breakout victory? Hear me. His glory is the secret to the breakout. Behold his glory and watch him move one degree at a time as he moves you to look more like Christ. One degree of glory to another, for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. It does not come from your own self-effort. You hearing me? Life change. Man, we can go after it. And in fact, we can do some great discipline things in our own lives. And six weeks, eight weeks, we make some victory struggles. And then all of a sudden, it will kind of revert back. And man, the true transformation in your life comes from the spirit working in you, beholding his glory. God doing something you cannot do. It is not yours to handle. It's his. Turn to him. And behold Him. And trust Him. He'll rock your world. That's 2 Corinthians 3. So here's what we're going to do now. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and get in place. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time. But we're going to put points 1 and 2 together right here. So here's my question for you. What's God calling you to do? Right now in light of his scripture What's God asking you to get real on with him Right now Is he calling you to turn to him maybe for the first time It's time to trust him It's time to be done with self Done with the fighting Done with the pressing in on my own Time to hand it to him I'm done with trying to say it's all about me Lord I'm ready to turn to you and see you reveal to me things that I do not understand. Please forgive me for going on my own. I'm ready to put you as king of my life. Are you ready to turn to him? And and for those of you who do trust Christ as your savior, here's what I'm going to ask right now. Let's go to prayer right now and be praying there's someone in this room and it's time for them to turn, be praying for them to turn and trust Jesus in this time. Let's just go to prayer here. Father God, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your, the hope you give us. And we thank you for all that you do for your work on the cross and for the hope we can have through you. I pray that you stir in this room and if there's someone who wants to come to trust you as Savior, would you press now? Convict now. Call them to you. And if he's pressing in on your soul, if it's time for you to trust Jesus Christ, You put the stake in the ground and make it now. I'm done fighting and I'm in. I want to hear what he has to say and I want him to unveil my heart and I'm trusting in him. Not just as some God, but my God. If that's where you are, if you're ready to trust in him right now today, would you just do this with me? Would you just repeat this prayer after me quietly where you are? And please hear me, scripture doesn't say you have to pray a prayer or throw a stick in the fire or walk forward or whatever little things may be done. These are just a nice moment for you to make a marker in your life that this is it, I'm in. Let him know through prayer. Just repeat this prayer after me. I'll say it slowly out loud. You can say it quietly where you are. If you want to trust Christ as your Savior now, just tell him this. Dear Heavenly Father, Father, I admit that I'm not perfect. I admit that I've come up short. I admit that I'm in need and I feel you pressing in. Lord, I believe. I believe that you are God, that you died and rose again. I believe that you are in charge of this universe. I'm trusting in the testimony of others. I'm trusting in you pressing in on me now. I believe. And Lord, I now take a step over the line and I confess you as my God. Would you please be in charge of my life? and take over. I confess you as my Lord. Thank you for your work on the cross. Thank you for saving me. It's in the powerful name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Just keep your eyes down, your eyes closed and your heads bowed, all right? I just want to let people know I want to be able to pray for you. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior right here and right now, if you are wrestling and you're ready to step over the edge and you've told him that in a prayer, I would love to be able to pray for you. Could you just let me know, just raise your hand where you are, that you prayed that prayer that you are in. I see your hand. Amen, bro. I see you. I see your hand. Amen. 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 I see your hand. Anybody else? I want to be able to pray for you. If you've trusted Christ, man, God is moving in this place. Don't walk out of here today and miss out. Amen. I see your hand, bro. Got it. Amen, I see your hand. Amen, I got gotcha. you. Anybody else? I don't want to miss you. man. I got gotcha. you. All right, let me pray for these guys who have trusted Christ this morning. Hear me are sitting in a room where God is stirring and souls are coming to know Christ as Savior. And the scripture says clearly the angels rejoice with one coming to know Christ. Can you imagine the celebration unleashed right now? Father God, we worship you and we praise you and we thank you for these who have come to trust you this morning and said, there is so much I don't get but I'm ready to lean on you. I'm ready to trust in you. Father, may you move powerfully in their life. My prayer is that they would have a sense of your glory stirring in them like never before. Lord, may you rock them and move them. We are in awe of who you are and all that you do. And we are humbled that you save. Lord, may we never hide it. May we always share it. We love you and you are at work in our lives. Thank you, Lord, for who you are. For those now who trust Christ as Savior, here's what I'm going to ask. Hear me. Are you ready to behold his glory? Are you ready to make a commitment that says, Lord, I want to be stirred by you. I want to taste of your glory. I want to behold you like I never have before. Commit to him now. Let him know. Tell him where you are. The problem, hand it to him. No matter the hurt or the struggle, he is bigger. Worship him, Father God. With great hope and expectation, we come before you, and we claim your promise that your spirit and your glory pouring over us will transform, that you will change us from one degree of glory to the next. We claim that promise and we long to taste of it at work in our lives. Lord, may we set it all down and come to you. May we be fixed in our eyes on you. May we be done with the battling as we be still before you. May we be thankful for all you're doing in our lives and Lord, may we sit down and confess any sin that needs to go right now. We are ready to behold you in all of your glory. You are enough. All I need. We worship you, God. We worship you. And we are following you. And we are celebrating you. And may your glory pour off of us as you change us from one degree to the next. It is in your mighty and powerful name I pray these things. In your saving name I pray these things. And all of God's people said,